Hello, everyone, and welcome to Honestly Booked. I'm your host, Ariel, on Instagram under at Are You Ready to Read with four eyes. And I'm your host, Rachel, on Instagram under at Paperbacks and Sketchbooks. This is a conversational podcast devoted to books, all thing books with no genre discrimination. We hope with this podcast we will expand your TBR. To get updates on our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Honestly Booked and like us on Facebook. You can also follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us get our podcast out there. Ariel, it feels so weird for me to be introducing this episode. I know. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was like, what? Okay, you go. We're shaking things up over here. You go, Rachel. <laughs> go, Rachel. Go. But this is episode 30. We've been around for 30 episodes. Wild. Today, we are going to be talking about our October challenges, which I've absolutely been sucking at the challenges. I've not been paying attention to any of them. 100%. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to get back on track with these. Like once I get through my massive library stack, I know I say this like all the time, but once I get through my massive <laughs> library stack, I'm gonna, I'm definitely going to start working on my challenges. You know, I've got a lot of backlist challenges to do. I've got my own personal challenges to do. I'm going to tell you shortly, it took me eight days to read a book and it's not because it was bad. It's not because it was a slow read. It was just, this has been a week, man, a week. <laughs> so I feel that it's just ridiculous. I mean, we're supposed to record on like, you know, Sundays and it's already like late evening Monday. So I'm a little bit behind, but I'm the words of Rachel, honestly booked records whenever Ariel wants. <laughs> so since I already started like kind of talking about it, I'll just go right into my latest read if that's okay, Rachel. Oh, go ahead. So my latest read, like I said, it took me eight whole days, or I'm sorry, it took me seven days to read this. I wasn't going to let it get to eight. I was going to be really upset. It's called Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. And now I know I talked about this on either the last episode or the episode before where I was like, I've read another book from her before that I DNF'd and did not like. So I was really concerned, you know, because it was it was a writing thing in that book. You know, it was a problem that I didn't like that had to do with the way she wrote. So that being said, I had every right to be nervous coming into this book. But immediately, this writing to me seemed like a extremely seasoned author. It had depth, it had character building, it had everything. Now, I loved, absolutely loved the writing. One of my biggest things is when you're writing something that is based on something else, like a historical fiction usually is what is re this referencing to and I love when the author does their research yeah and you can just tell they did their research and they bring like if I there's if they say something in the book I can go and google it and see oh that's true that really happened you know and that's huge for me because if you're going to play on real life I want it to be real because I want to be able to tell people and talk about it to people and not look stupid you know what I mean oh absolutely this book she really did her research. Now, Bright Young Woman, this book is a true crime retelling of Ted Bundy. Well, not Ted Bundy, but it's a true crime retelling of t one of Ted Bundy's victims, friends, and one of Ted Bundy's victims. I'm not like huge into the whole serial killer thing that, you know, everyone's like, oh, I love watching these true crime things. I'm not huge into it. I don't care, weirdly enough, because, you know, I do love thrillers and stuff, but I've never been one of those that's like, oh, the new, um, the new Jeffrey Dahmer thing came out. I got to watch it. The new Ted Bundy thing came out. I got to watch it. Not huge for me. I just, I couldn't care less. I don't really want to know. That's why I like my crime books to be fiction because nobody likes to read about stuff like that and be like, wow, this really happened. So unfortunately, in this book, although there's a few times where they reference his actual 
what he what he's done, you know, which is very brutal and very bad if you don't know. There's no need for a trigger warning in this book because there's nothing at all that gets uh, super triggering. You know, there's there's nothing like that. The only time his crimes are ever like actually said is when it's like in a factual kind of way, kind of like a like on a cop report, you know, it's mostly just the stories and lives of the women that are affected by him. Now, it did take me maybe about eight to 10% to understand where Jessica Knoll was going with it because she includes some what that you think are random characters in the mix, but they end up playing a purpose. And it's really cool because other than the women, all of the other characters use their real names. So for example, a, a district attorney on his case, his real name is uh, Frank Tucker and that's the real name. So it's cool, you know? Whereas she never says in the book the name Ted Bundy. She always references him as the defendant. You know exactly what she's talking about. And when I read her author's note, she would spoke with one of the victim's roommates when this happened. That was the one that walked in and saw him as he was leaving. So she is one of the characters in the book. And she also, uh, Jessica Knoll, the author, had written to her and talked to her and, you know, gotten a lot of stuff from her, gotten, you know, in her head and helped formulate the story. So I liked that, you know, I liked that she did her research, got all that stuff done. Now that girl herself, Kathy, released her book, I believe it came out this last month, that was a nonfiction of like her telling her story too. And I know that there's been a lot of controversy surrounding Jessica Knoll's book because they're like, oh, she's a white woman who's gotten all this publishing behind her. She was able to put this book out about Kathy's experience. And then Kathy puts her own book out and there's no, you know, she's an independent person. There's no big hoorah about it, you know. From what I read in her author's note, unless Kathy says something differently, you know, it seemed like she was kind of using her not in a, I didn't see it as a bad way. You know, I saw it as her telling her story, kind of getting more publicity for her, you know, then it's like, I just read this fictionalized version, which is not really fictionalized if you think about it, because it's really what happened. But I'm sure like all the little details that are in there, you know, maybe those weren't 100% accurate. So I would definitely want to go back and read Kathy's version now. I liked it. I ended up settling at a four star only because it did get very confusing using in the beginning and the end if anyone's read this book and they know what I'm like the last chapter I'm really confused by like it kind of felt unnecessary in a way but I don't know maybe that maybe it was necessary I wasn't there so I don't know <laughs> you know I don't know <laughs> and I mean the, obviously there are some things that were doctored and changed up a little bit like names and everything but she did an excellent job of keeping things pretty dang near close to what really happened, you know, with none of that violence and like disgustingness. This was just the back, like the backstories of the women. That was Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. And I personally think you would really enjoy this book. Then I, I might have to add it to my TBR because I've just been iffy because it's one of those very popular books on Bookstagram right now. And most of the time when I read those, I'm like, eh. I don't really see the hype. Oh, oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. Maybe I'll try it. And I think that like, you know, it's one of those books I'm going to think about for a long time. What I got from the book now, I'm not sure if anyone else got this, but what I got from the book is that the author's stance on romanticizing this true crime. She made it very clear throughout the novel without having to explicitly say it, but it's like she definitely was saying like, why do we do this? You know, why do we as people romanticize this? Yeah. Yeah, why do we? 
And you could tell throughout the whole book because it's like she's making it not the important part. So I liked that. I liked how she was trying to make it about the women who are affected and not about him because everything else is kind of about him. Right, right, yeah. So it was giving them a voice. I like that. I did too. And the writing was like chef's kiss for real like I'm not even joking like oh good (laughs) it was really good so I don't know and now I'm like wondering should I go back and read her other books give it another chance because obviously people liked her other books because they turned into like a movie and a tv show she also did say in her I believe it was in her dedication at the end she did say that she'd grown a lot since writing her last book this is her third, I believe. Maybe like her first two books weren't as good as this one. And, you know, I, I'm really curious on what the time frame is from, you know, when she wrote the first one to now. Like, I mean, publishing, it's only been like a year between them all. Or it was 2015, 2018, 2023. But, you know, these authors sit on these books for years. But I'm so curious because it's a total 180 from what she was working on. I liked it. I really think you would like it too. That was Bright Young Women by Jessica Knoll. What was your latest read, Rachel? Well, my latest read was also based off of a serial killer. So weird. My latest read was Unsub by Meg Gardner. And this one is based off of the Zodiac Killer. So it's kind of interesting that we both ended up reading books that were loosely based on serial killers. But this one was actually really interesting. It has a 4.05 star rating on Goodreads. It is about Caitlin Hendricks, who has been a narcotics detective for six months when the killer at the heart of all of her childhood nightmares reemerges. And he's known as the Prophet. But the FBI calls him an unsub because he is an unknown subject. The prophet terrorized the Bay Area in the 1990s and nearly destroyed Caitlin's father, who was the lead investigator on the case. Now, before you ask me, was the prophet real? No, the prophet is fiction in this book. It's just based off the Zodiac Killer. So the prophet's cryptic messages and mind games drove Detective Mac Hendricks, Caitlin's father, to the brink of madness, and his failure to solve the series of ritualized murders, 11 seemingly unconnected victims left with the ancient sign for Mercury etched into their flesh, was the final nail in the coffin for a once promising career. So 20 years later, When two bodies are found burying the haunted signature of the prophet, Caitlin Hendricks ends up being transferred to homicide and she is going to be a detective on the case, just like her father was. So she's determined to decipher his messages and stop the killings. This book, oh my goodness. When I tell you that I literally saw nothing coming in this book, I mean, I saw nothing. Everything was a shock to me. However... I still gave it four stars, and that doesn't mean this was a subpar book. Four stars is a very good rating. I gave it four stars because I did find some parts to be confusing, more specifically with just the sentence structure at some points, and it also kind of seemed like Caitlin was talking to herself, but we didn't really know for sure. All of a sudden, it would show that she had like an inner thought. And then someone would say, what did you say? And it was just like, okay, what's going on here? But I figured it out. And, you know, overall, this was a really interesting book. Great psychological thriller. Great suspense novel. I definitely want to read the second one. It was really good. And I know you, I think on Goodreads, it says right here that you gave it four stars as well. 
I think because Goodreads doesn't let you do half stars, it, um, I think it was 4.5 is what I ended up giving, but I, I never, <laughs> I know this is so silly, but I never round up only because I don't like 4.5 books being under the five star category, but that's just, I don't know, that's just me. Oh, okay. So it's just for your own like categorizing. Yeah. Okay. So usually okay. four stars, either 4.5 or four. Maybe I should change that. But why I do it is because sometimes I'll go to filter out my books and like if someone's asking for a really good read, they're like, oh, I need a really good read. I want to filter it out with all my five star books, you know? Oh, yeah. And I don't want like a 4.5 to be in there. It needs to be just fives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. I am needing to clear out this dang TBR. And so I recently started, I know you've done this before, Rachel. I recently started trying to like do a physical book and an audio book and a book on my Kindle Ooh, all at once. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a little hard because I'll just forget like, you know, I'll have to like remember, okay, this is where we're at in this book, you know, and then I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't connect with books over audio. Like I've never given an audio book that I've read more than like three stars. I have to like see it yeah. on the page because I've read like a few audiobooks that I've rated three stars. And I'm like, I know I feel like if I read this in physical, I would have given it five. It didn't have anything to do with like the author either. So I don't know like what's going on, but I'm going to keep trying. Yeah, audiobooks definitely take some getting used to. I haven't yeah. listened to an audiobook in a while, but over the summer, I I listened to maybe like four or five audiobooks, and it definitely gets easier the more you listen to them. Okay. You just have to find like your good reading speed where you're going to retain the information and not zone out. Yeah, see, and I can do that. That's not the problem. Like, I, you know, I have, I had to have a newborn, I have kids, everything. So I have a lot of chores that I do every night when like everyone's asleep so that I can just listen to, you know, and do that. So that's not a problem. I definitely have that alone time and stuff like that. But I don't know, I just am having a hard time connecting. So what I've been doing is while I'm reading the books, I try to put all of the other, the author's other works into this backlist category on my TBR. And in that category, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to work through those backlist books, audio. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing on audio. Physical, I'm reading what's from the library that, you know, I have checked out. And then on my Kindle, I'm reading like all of my trying to get through my neck alleys, my challenges, you know, just books that I can't get physical copies of that I was able to get online. Right. I'm just trying to get this this TBR down because that, that stuff Joey said really is just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's just weighing on my soul. <laughs> and I can't die without reading all my books on my TBR. That would be so sad. So <laughs> well, I hate to break the news to you, but that might happen. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Okay. I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to get a clean bill of health. Everything's going to be okay. And you're going to live forever. <laughs> and I'm going to live forever. But that's how I do it. How, are you, I know you said you don't do it often, but are, do you read like multiple books? Oh, or do you read multiple books at once? Because see, I can't do more than one physical. If I'm going to read more than one book, it has to be on a different platform. Like I have, if I'm going to read more than one book, one has to be audio, one has to be physical, and one has to be Kindle because I will get so confused if I'm reading two physical books. But I think you can, huh? I have read two physical books before at the same time. But I never read two physical books that are the same genre at the same time. Otherwise, I get confused. But if it's on a different platform, like if I'm reading a book on my Kindle at night while I'm laying in bed, 
it, it can be whatever genre, like it could be what I'm reading in my physical. It doesn't really matter. For some reason, my brain can associate different things with different devices. It's weird. But I read multiple books all the time. I'm a mood reader. What can I say? I've definitely been trying to stop reading multiple books at once. But, you know, the heart wants what it wants. So I'm pretty sure you're not reading multiple books right now, but I could be wrong. What are you currently reading? Okay, so I'm trying to read multiple books right now. One of them is my oldest book on my TBR, The Hunting Party by Lucy Foley. I actually have that one from the library, but I also have it on Libby. I'm going to try to audiobook that while I'm reading my physical book from the library. That's my next due book, and that's called The Quiet Tenant by Clemence McKay. I'm sorry, I'm totally going to screw this name up, by Clemency McKaylin. Yeah, I know that was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And this book kind of, okay, first off, the cover is eerie and creepy. Yes, it is. It's funny because it has on the Goodreads synopsis, it's in all caps, it says, a pulse-pounding psychological thriller about a serial killer narrated by those closest to his 13-year-old daughter, his girlfriend, and the one victim he has spared. And you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the book we read. It was a purple cover, really pretty. Um, It was about the oh was it notes on an execution yes it gives me notes on execution Ooh, vibe okay so this is about aiden thomas who's a hard-working family man and a beloved figure in his small upstate new york town where he lives aiden is the kind of man who always lends a hand and has a good word for everyone but aiden has a dark secret he's been keeping from everyone in town and those closest to him he's a kidnapper and a serial killer aiden has murdered eight women And there's a ninth he's earmarked for, Rachel, imprisoned in a backyard shed, fearing for her life. When Aiden's wife dies, he and his 13-year-old daughter, Cecilia, are forced to move. Aiden has no choice but to bring Rachel along, introducing her to Cecilia as a family friend who needs a place to stay. Aiden's betting on Rachel. After five years of captivity, being too brainwashed and fearful to attempt to escape. But Rachel is a fighter and a survivor and recognizes Cecilia just might be the lifeline she's waited for all these years. As Rachel tests the boundaries of her new living situation, she begins to form a connection with Cecilia. And when Emily, a local restaurant owner, develops a crush on the handsome widower, she finds herself drawn into Cecilia and Rachel's orbit, coming dangerously close to discovering Aiden's secret. Now, this book is told through the perspectives of Rachel, Cecilia, and Emily, and I feel like this is going to be a really good book. I just, I don't know. I just, I have those vibes. Like, I feel like it's going to be a good book. It uh, seems like you're on a serial killer trend. I know. What the (laughs) heck? (laughs) But then again, I have to remember around this time when I was adding all these books to my TBR, I was on a serial killer kick. (laughs) Ah, that makes sense. Totally. But yeah, so that's my current read. It's newish. I think it was, yeah, June it was published. And I've got a lot of friends on here that really liked it. So yeah, and I think I even suggested this to our book club. I don't think it's an actual, I don't think we ended up picking it. No, we didn't because I don't think anybody could get it. That's so funny because mine literally came the next day. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so you see what I mean? Why it gives me those uh, vibes of that the notes on an execution yes. where it's the perspective of all the women's around him. I wonder, oh no, it doesn't say he has a perspective. So never mind. So yeah, but that's what I'm currently reading. What are you currently reading? I have dove back into romance and I am currently reading a magical romancy fantasy type of book. It's called Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. And you may have seen this one floating around bookstagram as well. I have. It has a really pretty cover. It does. It has like blue flowers and typewriter keys on it. I really like it. This one is very hyped right now on Bookstagram. 
And one of my friends told me that I really needed to read it. So I got it. And we're going to see what the hype is all about. It has a 4.2 star rating on Goodreads. That's promising. And it has 115,000 ratings. After centuries of sleep, the gods are warring again, but 18-year-old Iris Winnow just wants to hold her family together. Her mom is suffering from addiction and her brother is missing from the front lines. Her best bet is to win the columnist promotion at the Oath Gazette. To combat her worries, Iris writes letters to her brother and slips them beneath her wardrobe door where they vanish, into the hands of Roman Kit, her cold and handsome rival at the paper. When he anonymously writes Iris back, the two of them forge a connection that will follow Iris all the way to the front lines of battle for her brother, the fate of mankind, and love. This is basically an enemies to lovers fantastical romance. And I'm liking it so far. I'm almost 100 pages in and the writing is really captivating. Like I'm really digging Rebecca Ross's writing style. It's pretty. Like, I don't know, like it's like prose, but it's not. And it's super intriguing. And I just want to see how this romance is going to unfold. So that's my current read, Divine Rivals by Rebecca Ross. Was this the book that you were telling me the other night you couldn't put down? Yes, I literally could not put it <laughs> okay, down. Good. I wanted to keep reading it. So maybe my love for romance will come back. You know, I feel like it's ingrained in us, all these, you know, genres we like, and sometimes we just stray away for a little bit. And, yeah. you know, we'll always come back. <laughs> like, I feel like yes. you love that. And especially this new, is it considered a romanticy? Like romantic, romantic fantasy or whatever? I don't think it's specifically romanticy because when I think of romanticy, I think of like Akotar and Sarah J. Moss books. Yeah. This one I just describe as like just a romance with some fantasy <laughs> elements in it. There's it's more a romance with a side of fantasy. It's more magic fantasy than it is fairies and fae and all those mythical creatures. So I'm liking it. It's not too hard to wrap my head around with this kind of fantasy. Good, good, good. So you said you're on the like fantasy, romanticy kind of kick. What's your um what's your next read? Is it gonna be in the same genre? Are you switching up? Like what's going on? So my next read, this is one that I found on the new shelf at the library. And I never browse the library because the adult section is upstairs and I never want to walk up the stairs. So I just go to the circulation desk and I get my holds and I leave. But I decided that I was going to browse last week. So I did. And I found this book. It's called Dead Man's Wake and it is by Paul Doiron. So this has a 4.25 star rating on Goodreads out of 2,500 ratings. On the evening of their engagement party, Maine game warden investigator Mike Bodich and Stacy Stevens witness what seems to be a hit-and-run speedboat crash on a darkened lake. When they arrive at the scene, their spotlight reveals a gruesome sight, a severed arm beneath the surface. As day breaks, the warden dive team recovers not one, but two naked corpses. The dismembered man and the married woman with whom he was having an affair. Mike begins to suspect the swimmer's deaths were not a senseless accident, but a coldly calculated murder. So you can see why I wanted to check this book out. It seems intriguing. And I don't think I've ever read a book that takes place like solely like around a speedboat crash, like in the water. Like, I just feel like this will be something new for me. And 
I'm excited. For some reason, I've all I've been all about new things like this past month. So we're going to try it and we're going to see. That was Dead Man's Wake by Paul Doiren. What are you planning on reading next? You got anything lined up? I do. So like I said, I'm getting through my library stack. A lot of the times when there's the new books, you know, the new book of the month books, new aardvark books, because like I said, I'm a broke girl right now. I throw them on hold at the library. Well, sometimes those come in. And of course, unlike your library, my library has this right when you walk in smack dab in front of your face, a new shelf, uh, express shelf, like all these like things where it's like new, new, read this right here. Now this is cool. You know, (laughs) I always end up grabbing some because I'm unhinged. Of course. This is one that I grabbed only because now I was never going to read this book. I told myself you're not ever going to read this book, but I have two bookstagram friends who read this book and said it was wild. That's all they said. They said, I don't know if it was good. I don't know if it was bad, but it was wild. And I was like, okay, I need to know what they're saying. Uh, yeah. This book has snow in it. <laughs> snow. <laughs> and it's one of my least favorite things, which is people start dying at a retreat. <laughs> Hmm, okay. But like the things that these people have said about this book, like I have to read it. So this is called The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz. And now this is the one that has that really annoyingly annoying cover with like where it looks like it's an open book, but it's not. Stop. I can't stand that. (laughs) I know. I cover, I put a tape over it. I taped a cover on. (laughs) That's so funny. So this book is about five attendees that are selected for a month long writing retreat at the remote estate of Rosavallo. The controversial high priestess of feminist horror, Alex, a struggling writer, is thrilled. Upon arrival, they discover they must complete an entire novel from scratch, and the best one will receive a seven-figure publishing deal. Alex's long-extinguished dream now seems within reach. But then women begin to die. Trapped, terrified, yet still desperately writing, it's clear there's more than a publishing deal at stake at Blackbriar Estate. Alex must confront her own demons and finish her novel to save herself. It says this is an unhinged, which is like me, propulsive, claustrophobic, closed-door thriller that will pull you in and spit you out. Now, it does have the tags on here of horror, and I'm wondering if that's why everyone's like, this is wild. Like, something's gonna happen. So, I need to know what this is. Everyone in the, everyone in the thing just, like, they're not loving this book. (laughs) Like, it's definitely a middle-of-the-shelf book. Uh, Yeah, I was gonna say. (laughs) A lot of people say, like, strange book like this is so strange weird interesting like i'm just like i want to know like i'm probably gonna end up dnfing it because i've heard that the dialogue's garbage and that like the writing's not that great yeah but i need i just want to know you know i just want to know i i get that yeah and it's not a huge book it's like only 313 pages so i'm back in the day i could have knocked that out in a day (laughs) but now it'll take me maybe 12 days (laughs) that's so funny So yeah, that's The Writing Retreat by Julia Bartz, and that is my next read. I am not exactly sure when I will get to it. Oh my goodness, we have some interesting books we're getting into. I'm really disappointed you brought, and I'm just kidding, I'm happy you browsed because now I'm not alone in this whole ordeal. (laughs) I'm glad. It just felt like a browsing day whenever I went last week. (laughs) Yeah, well, I also haven't really been there 100% because, you know, I've been dealing with a lot, so you probably were like, she's not texting me back, I'm going to go look through the library. I'm just kidding. (laughs) yeah I was just so bored that I just had to go browse the library books (laughs) not me making myself the main character in my life (laughs) oh my gosh off topic so let's do our my new favorite segment our random topic wheel that we still don't have a name for click to spin 
Kindles. Kindles. Kindles, Kindles, Kindles. So I know you and I both have Kindles. I absolutely love my Kindle. Do you like your Kindle? I love it. I use it all the time. Which one do you have? You have the, we both have different ones, right? Yeah, I don't have a paper white. I think I have the the 2022 release, whatever it's called. It's just the basic white one that you can get on Amazon. It's their cheapest option. <laughs> but I mean, it works for you and you have no pro- you've had no problem so far yet? Zero issues with it. I love it. I have the paper white from, gosh, I want to say maybe 2021. I know it was after COVID. My dad had got it for me for one of my birthdays or Christmas, something. I never had a Kindle before. Weird, but I'd never had one before. Yeah, same. I got it. I didn't. I used it a little bit in the beginning, and then I kind of was like, this is weird. You know, I'm I'm old-fashioned. I need to read physical books. But then I read a few on the Kindle, and I was like, holy moly, this is now I get the hype. So what I like about the Kindle, because I have some pros and cons, what I like about the Kindle is that I can pretty much take it anywhere with me. Mine's really small and thin, you know, and so it fits like pretty much anywhere. I like that I can pull it out and read it um, without needing Wi-Fi, that I can just, it's like a book, you know, you can just pull it out and read it wherever. Um, It saves where you're at. I can read it in the grocery store. I can read, I can kind of read the Kindle while driving only for a little bit and I start to get sick. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like all that about it, you know, and I bring it with me everywhere. Like, because you'll never know when you have a spare few moments to read. That is so funny. Like I literally, I will, I read it in line at grocery stores. Like I, you know, I will read it everywhere. We stop and get gas. I'll pull it out for a couple minutes. I can get like 10 pages in, you know? Okay. Okay. Another thing I do like about it is mine, the charge lasts forever, like forever. Oh, that's good. Like, I think I let it go one time and it was like over a week that it took to need to charge again. So long time. I like that I can customize the font, the like, you know, light, everything. The only cons that I have for it is that mine is always on. Uh, I mean, I know I could turn it off, but it's got one of those things where it's kind of like always on. It's just... If you put it down, you know, it's like kind of turns off the screen or if you don't look at it, it turns off the screen, but then you pick it up, it turns it right on. I don't know. Maybe it's not even a negative because it's battery still good. There's not a lot of, at least I haven't found, there's not a lot of like cute cases for it, but um, <laughs> yeah, I can't really think of any negatives. What about you? Uh, negatives? No, none that I can think of. I like all the things that you mentioned and I like that I can lay in bed with it. Like I can lay on my side and hold it up and I can read. I don't have to be like laying on my back like a turtle trying to hold up a hardcover book. Or it doesn't, you don't have to like, it's not super bright. You know, you can turn turn the darkness down if you're trying to read next to someone in bed who's sleeping. That's another positive. So those are my positives and negatives. I have the Kindle Paperwhite. She has the cheap white one, (laughs) the basic. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. So this is our challenges episode, which Rachel and I were just talking about how we started off this year so strong and kind of like have fallen off a little bit, but it's not because of the content of the books. It's just us. (laughs) It's us. Yeah, it's literally just us. (laughs) We're the problem. We are definitely the problem in the words of Taylor Swift. The books in this challenges episode are the northern states. So these books are from Alaska, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota. I feel like all those states have more mountains than like plain states like, you know, 
yours. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm in Illinois, which is the prairie state. So we're literally all flatland. You don't have any mountains in Illinois? No, nothing? No. That's no crazy. mountains, no hills. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I feel like Ohio, I think, is the same. Uh, They might be. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to have to look that up, that if Ohio has any mountains, because did you know that Ohio is the state with the most serial killers were born there, lived there? I feel like I heard that fact somewhere before. So it's like, I wonder if it has to do with the fact that it's boring. (laughs) (laughs) They're so bored that they just want to commit murder. Yeah. They're just like, I have nothing else to do. (laughs) Okay. So we have Alaska, which was our 49th state. I feel like there would be a lot of indigenous books in this one. One book that takes place in rural Alaska is The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. Oh, I haven't read that one yet. That's on my TBR. I'm so, I need to read that. Tell me about this. This book sounds so good. I've been wanting to read this one as well. It takes place in 1974 when Ernt returns home from Vietnam after being held as a prisoner of war, and he's not the same person he was before he left. He impulsively decides to move his family to Alaska to live off the grid. His wife and 13-year-old daughter Lenny are hopeful that it will be the fresh start that their family needs for a better future. But the harsh realities of Alaskan winters without proper preparation sets in and Lenny and her mom realize that there's no one to save them but themselves. I love it. I'm super excited for this book. I've heard that in this book specific, well, all her books, in this book specifically, I've heard that she does a really good job of bringing that um Alaskan rural uh, setting to life. So that's awesome. The next state we have is Idaho, which I don't know about you, but every time I think of Idaho, I think of potatoes. Oh, same, same. So (laughs) I feel like they get annoyed with that. No, I'm just kidding. They definitely like all the potatoes that I get, even here, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna go look at my in my cabinet right now, but I'm pretty sure they're Idaho potatoes. That would make sense. You're pretty close to Idaho. Am I? Kind of. You're both in like the same <laughs> half of the country. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I don't think about it. Th- sometimes I think that it's closer to you, but yeah, you're probably right. I think Idaho's closer to you if you look at a map. Oh, it's on the other side of um, Nevada, huh? Well, welcome to Geography 101. Yeah, right. Okay, so Idaho, obviously, you know, it's kind of one of those states like Iowa, no offense, Sarah, that people just kind of forget about. So there weren't a ton of books from Idaho, but there were good ones that I saw. And one of them that really set my eyes was The Rise of Light by Olivia Hawker. Now, this was published in 2021, but its setting is in Idaho of 1975. Gad channels the disappointment of his personal failure into his extreme control of others, especially his children. Aspiring artist Aaron and his sister Tasman have united and are ready to challenge their father to improve their own future for the sake of their two younger brothers. Linda is a newcomer to Rexburg from Seattle and hopes to heal from her own hard childhood. When she falls for Aaron, she learns that his family is even more toxic than her own. Linda's introduction to the family upsets the precarious balance that existed and triggers a new upheaval. Can they all break free from the past and find a way to move forward? This book is currently, as of September 19th, on Kindle Unlimited. This book looks really good to me, in my opinion. 
It does sound really good. And you know what? You might have to download it and let it sit in your Kindle Unlimited graveyard. Yeah. I, I, you know what? <laughs> let me get on Amazon right now. And <laughs> but it won't sit in my graveyard, actually, because I have plans. Like I told you, once I'm done reading all my library books, I think I'm going to try and get through all my Kindle stuff. I have a lot of net galleys I need to get through and a bunch of other things. So I might be reading this sooner than you think. Well, that's good. I like that it's on Kindle Unlimited, though. That was The Rise of Light by Olivia Hawker. Montana is another state that is featured for this challenge. Montana is a state that I don't really give much thought to. It has Yellowstone in it and Yellowstone, the TV show, which my husband's obsessed with, took place in Montana. There's lots of wildlife out there. I heard it's cold and that it's um it's it's actually growing. Like I said, it's the fourth largest state, but I don't think it has a large population though. I feel like the population's rather small just because everyone has land out there, you know, and it's all spread out. But anyway, sorry, back to you. Books in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> books in Montana. There's actually a pretty good selection of books that take place in Montana. They all seem to be very like farmy and wildlifey. But I guess that makes sense since I just learned that Yellowstone is in Montana. So one book that takes place in Montana is actually a coming-of-age novel. It is called The Bartender's Tale by Ivan Doig. This takes place in 1960s Montana. So you have Tom and his son Rusty, and they're a bit of an odd couple family. Tom owns the Medicine Lodge, which is an isolated northern Montana bar, Rusty was not a planned child, and then his mother deserted them both. In 1960, Proxy, who is a dancer from Tom's past, how scandalous, and Proxy's daughter, Francine, arrive in town. Proxy claims that Francine is also Tom's child. What? This book seems wild. The arrival of these unexpected guests appends everything Rusty thought he knew about his life. Oh, this seems like some reality TV show, but it takes place in 1960. <laughs> Pause, because it is part of a series, but they say on here that you won't be lost if you only read this one. So if you're one of those people like me that has to read everything in order, you might want to know that it is part of a series. But if you don't care and you feel like with enough reviews saying that this could could be a standalone it could be a standalone because it's 10th in the series. Well, that's good to know. But also, why don't these websites ever tell you those things? It's so annoying. But that sounded that sounded like a lot of drama. It <laughs> did sound like a lot of drama. I'm totally here for it. Like, I love it. There was another book that was in Montana that I actually read on this list. It was Lone Women by Victor Laval. Now, this book was not for me because it was a it was a blend of like horror, fantasy, mystery, historical fiction. I thought it was going to be good. I didn't like it, but that was another one that I've read that took place in Montana. Um, so now we have the Dakotas, which we have, you know, North Dakota and South Dakota. After the Louisiana Purchase in 1803, the Dakota Territory was established in 1861, which now it encompasses present day North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, and Wyoming. When statehood was granted in 1889, North and South Dakota became separate. So the first state we have is North Dakota, which when I think of North Dakota, I just think of the show Fargo. I believe is in North Dakota, which our friend This Guy Books is actually an actor on the show. Not only do I think of Fargo, but I think of cold. Like, I don't know why, but I just always think like really cold. So North Dakota has some really good books. And one of the books that 
I was interested in is called Oh Beautiful by Jung Yun. And this was published in 2021 and its setting is Western North Dakota. Eleanor Hansen grew up in North Dakota as the daughter of an overbearing father and a distant Korean mother. She left decades ago to pursue a modeling career and has hardly looked back since. Now in her 40s, Eleanor is trying to reinvent herself as a freelance writer. When her grad school mentor offers her a chance to write a piece for a prestigious magazine about North Dakota's bacon oil boom, because she was raised on the nearby Air Force space, it's assumed that she'll be treated as an insider and will be able to leverage her connections to get a better story. Instead, Eleanor returns home to find a place she barely recognizes. The area has seen an influx of tens of thousands of roughnecks seeking to cash in on the oil boom. Not surprisingly, the locals are concerned about the changes to their once small community. As Eleanor pursues the writing assignment, the story begins to interwine with her own. She struggles to feel at home in the place where her family fell apart and where so many people still treat her like a foreigner based on her Korean heritage. So the author herself was born in South Korea, but she was raised in North Dakota. So this provides her, you know, with like that unique perspective. Not only does she address the interests related to the oil boom, but also a lot of racism that divides the population in North Dakota. This book looks really interesting to me and I'm definitely adding it to my TBR. This one sounds really good. It does. And it sounds like it might be like a literary fiction kind of thing, which I've been totally getting into lately. That was Oh Beautiful by Jung Yun. And then of course we have South Dakota. South Dakota, uh, You know, I know nothing about South Dakota. I know I'm pretty sure it has Badlands National Park, Mount Rushmore, a lot of outdoorsy things that you can do out there. They have some interesting books as well. So one of them, we have a Western that's actually available on Kindle Unlimited, and it's called The Work of Wolves by Kent Myers. I've never read a Western book. It's not really my thing. But when I think of South Dakota, I think of just like horses and nothingness and middle of nowhere. So I feel like a Western would be fitting. So this one is about Carson who bought his first horse from Magnus Yarborough, the town's wealthy landowner when he was only 14. And years later, Carson is now a respected horse trainer. He reluctantly agrees to train Magnus's horses and to teach his wife to ride. However, his irritation at a power-hungry Magnus increases alongside an increasing attraction to Magnus's wife. I love the drama. So this attraction to Magnus's wife sets off an unsettling chain of events that also impacts Earl Walks Alone, an Indian trying to study his way out of the reservation and into college, and Willie, a German exchange student, confronting his family's troubled history. So it seems like a lot happens just by Carson being attracted to Magnus's wife. Could be good. It is a Western. I've never read a Western, so maybe we'll have to give it a try. We'll see. I'm down to read a Western. Those are our Alaska, Idaho, Montana, and the Dakotas. For the decades, we have books set in the 1990s, which, um, hello, when I was born. I'm an early 1990s baby. I think you're not a 90s baby, right? I am 99, so right at the very end. Okay, okay. So the very last. You're right before the, um, what was that called when everyone was freaking out that 2000 was going to end everything? Oh, I don't know what that was. Oh, gosh. I can't remember <laughs> the name of it, but it was it was huge. I was like eight when that happened, and I remember everyone was like thinking, 
uh, technology was going to like all crash and it was going to take over and all this stuff. There was quite a few things that happened in the 90s. Art thieves stole 13 works of art from a museum in Boston in 1990. They are still investigating the theft, apparently. There's a $10 million reward. The official demolition of the Berlin Wall began in June of 1990 and was completed in two years. In 1990, the inventor of the World Wide Web published his formal proposal And in 1991, the internet became available for unrestricted commercial use. That's pretty cool. Serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer was arrested in July 1991 after the remains of 11 men and boys were found in his apartment. Ooh, creepy. Did you know that um, Ted Bundy kept all the heads of his victims too? Random. Why do these people keep this stuff in their houses? I don't know, but it's gross. Yeah, so gross. Ugh, but whatever. We're not serial killers, so we don't know. In 1994, there was 95 million people that watched O.J. Simpson on his slow speed chase down the freeways. Even I remember that. Like, I was a baby, so I didn't see it, but I remember my parents talking about it for, like, ever after that. And then the next year, there was the trial. That was, like, the biggest thing of the 90s that I could think of. Y2K, that's what it was. Y2K anxiety was huge. People thought that, like, computer systems were going to shut down when the two-digit year changed from 9-9 to 0-0. They spent millions in preparement, and, well, nothing happened. There's a lot of really good books told in this time period. A book that I have on my physical shelf that I'm really looking forward to reading is Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Now, this was published last year or yeah, last year, but it takes place in 1994 in California. As tennis star Carrie Soto shattered every record and claimed 20 Grand Slams titles, she retired in 1988 at the top of her game. Now, in 1994, she's just witnessed Nikki Chan take her record at the U.S. Open. At 37, Carrie decides to come back to tennis for one year in an attempt to regain her record. As she has been since she's only two, she'll be coached by her father, Javier. Her body doesn't move as quickly now, but her brutal competitiveness is just as strong. While this book does have a strong emphasis on tennis, it also deals heavily with relationships, especially the one with her father. A huge thing for me that I absolutely love about books is when authors have cameos from other characters. Do you like that too? I do actually. I think it's clever. It's so clever. And it's like you'll only get it if you read their other books. So Taylor Jenkins Reid wrote a book called Malibu Rising. And in Malibu Rising, you might recognize the name Carrie Soto. You might guess her from her history as the other woman. She isn't the most likable character. So just go into the book knowing Carrie Soto's kind of a brat (laughs) is a nice way to say it. But I think we'll kind of see her story in this book and see that like it says she has a very difficult relationship with her father. So maybe that's, you know, why she is the way she is. I'm super excited to read this book now. It does have a heavy emphasis on tennis. So that's kind of like a little bit. So I'm not really huge into sports. Like I think you are the same. Uh, Yep, I'm the same. What book do you think looks interesting from the 90s? There's actually a Lisa Jewell book on this list, and it's called Before I Met You, and it takes place in the 1990s and in the 1920s. So it's a dual timeline. And this one's a bit of an older book. It was published in 2012. So in the 1990s, Betty gave up a lot. She gave up universities, parties, boyfriends, and summer jobs to care for her grandmother, Arlette. And Arlette lives in a dilapidated yet charming home on the British Isle of Guernsey. When her grandmother passes away, Betty discovers that the will includes a beneficiary named Clara, whom no one in the family knows. So Betty travels to London to seek out Clara. 
And then you have the timeline in the 1920s. In the years after World War One. Arlette is starting a new life in Bohemian London when she gets drawn into the hedonistic world of bright young people. A couple of years later, tragedy strikes and Arlette flees back to her home in Guernsey for good. This is supposed to be a rich detective story taking place in London in the 20s and the 90s. I want to read this one now. It looks really good. And you know what's funny is I have most of Lisa Jewell's books on my TBR, but for some reason I don't have this one on. So boom, I just clicked the button and now it is on. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had no idea this book existed. Yeah. And on Goodreads, um, I don't know if you're going to add this to your TBR too, but on Goodreads, the cover, I don't know about you, but based off that cover, I would not have picked up that book. Based off the cover from the book girl's guide, I definitely would have picked up that book. So isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. Do you agree? Have you, have you seen the one on Goodreads yet? Uh, I haven't, but I'm about to look at it. Oh, oh, interesting. Right? I mean, it's not ugly. It's just not something that I wouldn't have picked up. Like it wouldn't have caught my eye. The other cover, definitely. So, you know, I'm learning that books have multiple covers. I did not know that they have. I knew that they had like a United States cover and knew they had a like um, UK cover and sometimes even like a Canadian or Australian cover. But I didn't know that like they could have multiple US covers. (laughs) So Yeah, I I think it depends on when it was published because sometimes books go back into print after so many years and then I think they give the covers a refresh. That makes sense because this is, you did say this was kind of an older book, right? Yes, it was published in 2012. Okay, yeah, the new cover probably was a refresh. That was our 90s books and there's a lot more on this list. I really recommend you guys get on here, get these lists, look these through because there are some really, really good books on all of these lists actually. I have yet to find one list from them a month that like I didn't like any like any book there's at least one on every single list that I've been like I'm reading this oh yeah same the next challenge is our around the world challenge and for this month is the Middle East so I know that there's a lot of stuff going on right now in Israel and Palestine stuff like that we're not like here we don't get into politics we're not going to talk about that I absolutely love reading books that are set in Middle East and books that are set in like India and stuff like that just because of my, you know, my husband's history and I love learning new things and it's crazy because this is all, we're all the same world, but people live so differently in other places and I love reading things from like another country where I'm like that's how they are there you know like it (laughs) I feel so close-minded when I read books and then I'm like oh my god I was so I'm just so so sheltered you know there's definitely a lot of books on this list that looked super good now when we say Middle East like I had said these places that are on the list you're gonna have Afghanistan, Bahrain, Egypt, Iran, Iraq, Israel, Jordan, Kuwait, Lebanon, Libya, Oman, Palestine, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Syria, Turkey, and the UAE. Oh, and Yemen. That's like a lot of countries that you can um, get some good books from. There's a book that I thought looked really good that's a dual timeline called Sparks Like Stars by Nadia Hashimi. Now this, it was published two years ago, but it's set in Afghanistan in 1978 and New York in 2008. So at the beginning of this novel, written by an Afghan author, 10-year-old Sitara has a great life. It's 1978, and Sitara's father has an important job as the right-hand man of the country's progressive president, Sardar Dabd. Her privileged world is shattered when she's the lone survivor of her family after a coup. After being smuggled out of the palace, Sitara finds safety with an American diplomat, who later adopts her. 30 years later, she's become a successful surgeon in America. However, her past comes reaching back when she sees a new elderly patient. 
Shire, who was a soldier who saved her during her coup. However, Shire may have also been responsible for the deaths of her family. Her desire for her past answers is rekindled after decades of a successful life. A lot of these books, like I said, me and Rachel ourselves aren't going to get into politics, but I can guarantee you that a lot of these books themselves will. Because, you know, there's a lot of, still to this day, obviously, there's a lot of fighting over land over there. And a lot of these books are going to touch on that topic. So if that's something you don't want to read about, you know, especially considering what's going on in the world nowadays, definitely stay away from some of these books. This one looks like it might have some, maybe not like technically political stuff, you know, because it is fiction, but they probably will touch on things that have actually happened over there. This book is also on Kindle Unlimited. And I am adding this to my list too, because I think it looks really good. And I feel like it's a, I feel like it'll be a nice coming of age story and kind of open my eyes to some stuff. But that was Sparks Like Stars by Nadia Hashimi. What book did you find? I found one that's a literary fiction and it's called The Arsonist City by Hala Alian. And it takes place in Lebanon. So this one, it has a beautiful cover. It has a tree in front of a building and it looks like it's nighttime and it it just looks really pretty. So this book is an international family saga. It's about the Nasir family and they consist of a Syrian mother, a Lebanese father, and three American adult children who have always lived a life of migration. However, their ancestral home has always been in Beirut. So when the family patriarch dies, Idris inherits the home and decides to sell it. However, nobody else is on board with this plan. They all travel to Beirut to persuade him to keep the home. The region is still trying to recover from war, handle an influx of refugees, and is full of religious and political tension. So tension also exists within their family. Although they share a goal of saving their home, secrets and jealousy exists between the family members. Sounds like a lot of family drama, um, but it's actually interesting too. They have a little blurb here. The author of this book, Hala Alian, she is a Palestinian-American poet, novelist, and clinical psychologist. Interesting. Yeah. So that this one sounds pretty good. It's called The Arsonist City by Hala Alian. I love it. So like I said, as with everything else, definitely check out this list because there's like, there's a ton. I was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. There, yeah, it's endless scrolling. Our last challenge that we are sucking at (laughs) is Mr. D Reads. He has like a really cool, really cool little prompt for every month. And this, like, for example, August was a book set at a school. I think we didn't do August because I was maybe I just had my baby or something. I don't remember. You know, July was a book recommended to you. So October's book is a book published the year that you were born. I have to do some research into that, actually. (laughs) Same. I would not know a book from 1999. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to look that up because that's a good one. If you are, you know, joining us in these challenges, definitely send us the book that you chose that was published the year you were born, um, because then we'll see how old you are and we will, you know, get some good ideas. So those were our challenges. We also have the 12 by 12 challenge, which is a complete fail. Rachel, oh my god, I am <laughs> cracking up. On our show notes, she has it says I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. <laughs> are we talking about life? Are we talking about the podcast? What are we talking about? This challenge? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they're 12 by 12. It's I've completely ignored it. Oh, 100%. I'm like I have decided I don't really want to read random people's book recommendations to me. <laughs> I feel it, but like I've got some good ones. So, mine of this month, you're going to laugh. 
the my October twelve by twelve is actually the Neighbor's Secret by L. Allison Heller, which is I believe was the one you recommended to me. I did recommend it, and I really hope you like it. It's full of drama and a bunch of stuff like that. It's funny because I've never seen this book before, so it's sitting on my physical shelf. Like I don't remember when or why I bought this, but it's sitting on my physical shelf. I might have gotten it from one of those little free libraries, but anyways, it's sitting on my physical shelf, and I've like totally ignored it. It's like in the middle of I don't know, somewhere on my shelf. And I never even thought of this book, never even seen it. And then you bring it to me for the 12 by 12. And then like now I see it all the time. So this book was, I mean, you said it's just filled with drama and stuff. I'm hopefully going to like it. It was published in 2021. Um, I've heard a lot about it on a couple of podcasts. And I heard that they're, the reason why I really look like, think like I'm going to enjoy it is because there's a book club aspect to it, I believe. Yes, there is. And it takes place in a neighborhood and everyone is kind of all up in everyone else's business. Oh my God. My catnip neighborhood drama. Oh my God. Okay. I'm participating in this challenge this month. <laughs> That's The Neighbor's Secret by L. Allison Heller. And I'm totally going to read this. I know you're like not, but what was your October book? So my 12 by 12 book for the month of October was supposed to be One, Two, Three by Lori Frankel. I don't know what that book is. I never even looked it up. Let's take a gander at good old Goodreads and see what it's about because I have no idea. All I know is that the cover, it has like three different colored leaves. It has a 3.8 star rating on Goodreads. It is tagged as fiction, contemporary, literary fiction. Maybe it's a bit of a deeper novel. Takes place in the tiny town of Bourne. Bourne where? It doesn't give a state. It's just the tiny town of Bourne. Looks like it has three narrators and they are joined together here to tell this spellbinding story with wit, wonder, and deep affection. So it seems like most people give it four stars, which seems pretty good. I don't know. Oh, it is on my TBR. Huh. Interesting. I had no idea that it was there. So we'll see. It was nominated for a Goodreads Choice Award for Best Fiction in 2021, but it did not win. So that was my 12 by 12, 1, 2, 3 by Lori Frankel. So October is a huge publishing month. There's a bunch of books that are coming out soon. A couple books that I'm looking forward to reading, um, either to love read it or hate read it. <laughs> there was a book on Aardvark called Death Valley by Melissa Broder. Now that I just want to read just because that cover is just so interesting to me. And then The Leftover Woman by Jean Kwok. I've read another book by her. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good October books that were just released. Do, have there been any that have caught your eye, Rachel? Yeah. So there were actually a few holiday type ones, a few Christmassy ones that have been uh, released or are going to be released soon. So one of them is A Holly Jolly Ever After by the authors of A Merry Little Meet Cute. And I read that book last Christmas and it was fine. It was pretty good. I wouldn't say it was exactly like a meat cute that they had. I just think that term is stupid anyway. But a holly jolly ever after, like, I don't know, the cover looks cute and it just seems like it'll be a cute addition to the holiday romance tree of books. There's also Bright Lights and Big Christmas by Mary Kay Andrews that actually is coming out on October 25th excited to try that one too. I love me a good holiday read during the season. It makes me feel more festive. Those are two that are currently on my radar. 
that I hope to read soon. Awesome. So let's get to reading and get our TBRs down. Yay. That was our challenges episode. We are super excited to be back. And as always, Rachel, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.